presented by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey there, Playbookers. It's Raghuman Avalon. A couple things we're keeping our eye on today. Thursday, January 19th. Politico's Zachary Warmbrot and Victoria Guida report this morning that the so-called ex-date for Congress to raise the debt ceiling or risk default will probably approach sooner than expected. That's thanks to the Biden administration's student debt repayment freeze and the Fed's ongoing interest rate increases. While the Bipartisan Policy Center predicts the date could arrive in the middle of the year, the prognosticating is more art than science. Inflation and the upcoming tax filing season are outstanding variables. Still, the predictions highlight the growing sense of urgency to tackle the debt ceiling sooner rather than later. As the White House draws a hard line against debt limit talks, one person to keep an eye on is Senator Joe Manchin. He's the one Democrat who so far has signaled he's willing to negotiate with Republicans. Manchin said on Fox Business yesterday that he's open to bipartisan work to tackle the national debt. Manchin said he's spoken with Representative Kevin McCarthy about pairing an increase with legislation he's authored with Senator Mitt Romney that would create rescue committees examining Medicare, Social Security, and other endangered government trust funds. When it comes to Republicans, keep an eye on House Financials Chair Patrick McHenry. Laura Davison, Eric Wasson, and Billy House from Bloomberg report that McHenry is broadly trusted by both allies and opponents of McCarthy, and he has deep understanding of financial markets. He said last month he wanted to separate spending questions from raising the debt ceiling, but hasn't commented since McCarthy struck a deal with his speakership holdouts. In any case, look for McHenry's bow tie at the center of any upcoming negotiations. A quick history lesson. Just days after House Democrats announced impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump back in 2019, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy faced an unwanted pressure campaign from the president's closest allies. Lawmakers like Representative Matt Gates and then-Representative Mark Meadows were demanding McCarthy remove moderate Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee leading the probe. Moderate Republicans, like Representatives Will Hurd, Mike Turner, and Elise Stefanik, and replaced them with MAGA-loving bomb throwers who could be counted on to deliver a full-throated and unqualified defense of Trump. At the time, McCarthy refused, even after the president himself made a private request to McCarthy. Centrists McCarthy believed would have more credibility when they called foul on the Democrats' impeachment process. Trump allies, meanwhile, would be dismissed by persuadable voters as knee-jerk partisans playing to an audience of one. It was a shrewd approach. The intel members that the Trump loyalists sought to oust turned into some of Trump's most effective defenders, especially Stefanik, who used the moment to begin her MAGA makeover and helped maintain top-to-bottom unity against impeachment in the House GOP ranks. Fast forward to the present day, that strategy has flown the coop. McCarthy this week rewarded Trump's most bombastic allies, including some of the members who initially opposed McCarthy as Speaker, with seats on the high-profile House Oversight Committee, ground zero for the GOP's investigations of President Joe Biden. The panel's roster is now said to include Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, and Scott Perry, who will join Representatives Jim Jordan and Andy Biggs. 
It's a risky strategy, to say the least. Voters have already signaled in polling that investigations of Biden are not exactly top of mind, meaning the oversight panel and its chair, Representative James Comer, already have a hill to climb in convincing the public that their probes have merit. That hill could become a mountain if the lawmakers involved are seen as too partisan or strident. In the White House, officials are positively giddy about the oversight panel's new all-star cast, convinced that they'll be able to discredit the president's investigators as unhinged. Politico White House and Congress teams reported last night that upon learning about the new roster, the president's aides sent texts to one another with digital high fives and likened their apparent luck to drawing an inside straight. One administration official said those members would be easy to dunk on in the media. House Republicans counter that Democrats won't be celebrating for long. They're the ones with subpoena power, after all. Now, under Chair James Comer, it will hound Biden about his family's financial dealings, the administration's embarrassing Afghanistan pullout, and its handling of the COVID pandemic. Incoming top Democrat on the panel, Representative Jamie Raskin, will no doubt have his hands full playing defense, but Comer may have the harder job. While he's conservative through and through, the new chair is not a bomb thrower by nature, and we hear wants to focus the panel more on waste, fraud, and abuse in government, not just Hunter Biden's laptop. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 9.25 a.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will leave the White House for Santa Clara, California. There, he'll take a helicopter tour of areas damaged by storms in Santa Cruz County. Afterward, he'll meet with locals and business owners affected by the storms and will meet with first responders and state and local officials to talk about the resources needed. At 6 p.m., Biden will deliver remarks about supporting the recovery and rebuilding efforts, and at 7, we'll leave Santa Cruz County and head back to the White House. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar. At 9.05 a.m., Vice President Kamala Harris and second gentleman Doug Emhoff will leave D.C. for Tonopah, Arizona, arriving at Luke Air Force Base at 1.50 p.m. There, Harris will get a briefing on the transmission line project with IBEW workers and will deliver remarks about the clean energy economy, with Interior Secretary Deb Haaland and Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm also in attendance. At 6.50, Harris will meet with service members at the base, and at 7.35, Harris and Emhoff will depart for Los Angeles. The Senate and the House are out this week. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghumana Valen. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. The world's need for more reliable, affordable energy is intertwined with the goal of building a lower carbon future. Meeting energy demand and alleviating energy poverty worldwide with reliable, affordable energy while reducing greenhouse gas emissions is a challenge that the natural gas and oil sector is meeting head on. The solution is right here. 